Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Donovan quickly, left corner three is good. Jazz getting it out and going in early transition. Gobert at the top, hands off to Conley, has some airspace. Now penetrates, drives, kicks to Donovan. He penetrates the baseline, low dribble, scoop, and scored! He's fouled! What a play by Donovan Mitchell! The strength of the kid is remarkable. Left-hand drive, crossed it over, got grabbed, powered through the grab by Fox with two hands and laid it up and in. Jazz play their last preseason game tonight at home against Portland. How yeah. about a little defense, PK? I think you have to power through the grab. I mean, I, I think that is the the motto for this season. Power through the grab? Yeah. Cut that up, Yogg. Power through the grab. We're going to need, like, bumper stickers and that kind of stuff. PTTG. Power through the grab. PTTG. There's going to be a lot of opponents trying to play grab, you know what, against the Jazz this year. I believe that. And they'll pay the price. All right, Jazz and Blazers tonight, and then the Jazz get a week off, and the season opener week is... Week off? <laughs> one week from tonight. Well, from games. <laughs> Classrooms not, a week off. Not from three-hour practices. So TV. There'll be three-hour practices. Week off. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. You do a little three-minute broadcast where you play some soccer highlights, and then you get a week off. That is so TV. So Channel 2. Good plan. Let me know where I can sign up for that. Uh, yeah, you want another deal? Yep. Jeez. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. That's why I wanted to kind of clarify what, um, you know, what my uh, thoughts was and what my words was. So um, that tends to happen with me. I understand that, and I know. That uh, every word that I say is going to be broken down on however you feel or you see. Uh, I said, it, you know, so it comes with the territory, and that's okay with me. LeBron James following up his comments and his tweets with one more session on China. After which he said, "I'm talking about it now. I won't talk about it again." Oh, I knew there is a God. And <laughs> this discussion now, you've had about enough. <laughs> Solid 36 hours is all you got time for. I like some of the stuff yesterday. So he called Daryl Morey uh, not educated and uninformed. And somebody said, wait a second. A guy graduated high school is calling a guy who graduated Northwestern and MIT uneducated or uninformed or not informed and uneducated. Misinformed. And And then also what he's saying is shut up and GM. Clever. All that cleverness spilling onto social media. What will be next? There will always be a next, PK. Everything's the biggest story until the next story comes along. Rockets Gerald Green. They think he's got a Liz Frank fracture in his left foot. That would require season-ending surgery, according to multiple reports now. I don't know what they're going to do without Gerald Green. There's one guy, but you're probably going to have injuries over the course of a season. Hurts to be down Yeah, guy but this is Gerald starts. Green we're talking yeah. about. Yes, it is. Okay, wanted to make sure. Not A.C. Green, but Gerald Green. Famous Greens, let's go. 
Come on, you know more. Oh, Dallas Green? See? Doc Green? Doc Green? Uh Uh-huh. Really? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Who's Doc Green? Pitcher in the 80s. I remember Doc Gooden. You do? Yeah. So he's going to look it up. What a nerd. (laughs) Danny Green. (laughs) DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. There was a pool report, I'm assuming that most have, have read. There was one that was clear that we support, and there was other that, that um, when you look at it, you review the play, not something that you want to see called, in particular on the, the pass rush. Uh, one that you can support, but the other one clearly after you review it, you've seen some slow-mos, the foul wasn't there. Senate Rules, Vice President Troy Vincent. Oops! I Goofed totally. up at the end of the Lions-Packers game. I totally tuned out. <laughs> you don't really care about the day after apology? Sorry about that. We goofed. No. Uh, you mentioned this at the end of the show yesterday at some point. Uh, Ryan Tannehill going to get the start over Marcus Mariota. Quarterbacks, like coaches, no longer predicting what's going to work and what isn't. Yeah, that really shocks me, man. I thought Mariota would be something. He's kind of running in place, really. Hard to believe Tannehill's the answer. Seems like he's had enough of a chance here that, you know, he's not really the guy either. Well, there's not enough guys to be the guy. You got to have somebody. Doesn't mean you're the guy. Most teams don't have the guy. Titans are going to give Ryan Tannehill the start as they host the Chargers this weekend. And the trade in the NFL, the Rams trading two first-round picks in 2020 and 2021 along with a 2021 fourth-rounder to Jacksonville to acquire all-pro cornerback Jalen Ramsey. And also they're trading Marcus Peters' corner to the Ravens for linebacker Kenny Young and an undisclosed draft pick. So Ramsey gets his way out of Jacksonville that he wanted. Now he's in L.A., and the Rams leverage that corner. The bonus corner they suddenly got to get a linebacker. they got to do something to end their three-game losing streak, although their problems against the Niners... Didn't think they were defensive. They got beat 20 to 7. Kind of juice up the offense, but Ramsey really, really didn't want to be in Jacksonville. He was making that really clear, so he got his way out of there. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Just results is what matters. That's all I care about is stuff in the run, and yeah, we'll, we'll get there. I've, I've been in tight spots before. We've had to respond well with coaching and been coaching for 19 years, so this isn't new to me, so we'll. We'll respond the right way. Kalani Sataki talking about being in a tough spot for him. Been in tough spots before, PK. Got Solani a has, yeah. Who? Solani. Solani Kataki? Yeah. It's only been in two games so far. Try to break that streak. I hope Solani comes through. Got a question up on uh, Facebook, and uh, we will get to that later this morning, but you can hit us up if you want to... Uh, Tweet at us. Give us a call later in the show. What can be done to get BYU back on track? Got a lot of people. You can go to Facebook and leave a comment there. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. 
Here's the kick now. The pitch, fastball, is hit in the air to left center field. Robles calling for it. He's under and waiting, and he makes the catch! He makes the catch! Bang! Zoom down the fireworks! A National League Championship winning Curly W is in the box! And for the first time since Washington, the Nationals, 51 years of trying as the Expos also, and they finally made it to a World Series. And they dominate. They not only sweep, they never trailed in this series. No, their pitchers had uh, starting pitching anyway, I think. uh, Maybe already was a 1-3. Yeah. Uh, They pitched, what's four times nine? 36 innings. Yeah, they they pitched 26 of the 36. So, we got two studs at the top. And then Anibal Sanchez gave him a great start. guys, and away you go, man. It's a, you guys get hot. Mr. October, Howard, Kendrick, a couple other guys, and that's it. That's what you need, man. Great starting pitching, timely hitting. And there you go. Howie Kendrick is the NLCS MVP. And this one over, kind of what the Cardinals did to the Braves in the deciding game, where they just buried him in the first inning with 10 runs, and here the Nationals got seven in the first. I don't think it's any coincidence that the uh, Expos slash Nationals are great again now that we have Trump in the White House in D.C. Sega, what's that got to do with anything? Everything the guy touches turns to gold. Have you seen your 401k? I mean, you don't have to pay attention to it because of the way you are, but the rest of us, yes, we got to be worried about it. You don't. You know, God bless you. But, you know, you're fortunate. You don't really have to worry about that stuff. That was awesome. Nationalist win to Trump to my 401k. Just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I mean, good on you, man. Garrett Cole. Seven scoreless innings in the Astros. Now up two to one. The Astros starting pitching going to carry them. That's pretty far. They'll play again tonight. And they're getting all sorts of fired up in New York. Astros right fielder Josh Reddick calling out Yankee fans. They threw baseballs, water bottles, other stuff onto the field. Get hit with a ball from the third deck, he said. That'll leave a dent. It's disrespectful and at the same time very unsafe. And here comes the stuff flying anyway. There are your headlines. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. It's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, it's Wednesday. It's Life for Riley. Riley Nelson, Riley Jensen. Riley Nelson, BYU football analyst, will join us next. We'll have a few minutes. He's not going to be here until 730. So we can start in on your advice. What does BYU need to do to get back on track? And then we'll run that by him as well. So I'll have open phones for a couple minutes. 855-340-ZONE. You can tweet at us at David DJ James. Hit us up on Facebook. And you can grab your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic. Send us your takes. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention. Top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah Jazz wrap up the preseason tonight. Portland is here, 7 o'clock. The game will be on TV. You can watch it on AT&T Sportsnet. 
You can listen to David Locke on the call on The Zone beginning with the pregame show. 6 o'clock, first tip there at 7. Major League Baseball tonight, Game 4, Astros and Yankees in New York. That'll start at 6 o'clock, and that is on FS1. Washington State coach Mike Leach imposing a social media ban on his players in the aftermath of a third straight loss. I think we have too many distractions, Leach said after the loss to Arizona State. And if I had it to do over again, I would have done it when we started camp. I think this is team-wide determination to be less distracted. Top of the Wire brought to you by Zero Res. Nominate someone you love for a free carpet cleaning online at ZeroResSaltLake.com. If you're ready for cleaning yourself, schedule today and pay just $33 per room. Minimum supply. Schedule online at ZeroResSaltLake.com or call 801-288-9376. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. When I think about Utah going out performing at a quality level, their focus now is really, really good. They never let their foot off the gas. They are playing with that New Year's Six Conference Championship type mentality that you want to see them have. Utah now, it's it's one thing to be that team that can play at a high level. It's another thing to do it with regularity, and I get the feeling that Utah is going to be that team. Tyler Huntley, 11 for 11 in the first half. There you go, man. He is just playing the best football he's ever played and it's at the right time with the right coordinator in the right uh, scenarios for Utah to go out there and I think have a special run the rest of the way Tony Parks and Austin Horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network Buying or selling a home? Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees remember it's simple to get started with Homie see more at homie.com Riley Nelson coming up here in just a few minutes in this segment. Got a moment now. PK, you saw a tweet yesterday that caught your eye and caught the eye of a lot of BYU football fans. I don't know if it caught the eye of a lot of BYU football fans, but I'm just uh, out there. I've seen some ex-players sort of go after the university to make it better and more conducive to winning. Reed Horning, who identifies himself as a former college football coach and former uh, college football player, says disgruntled BYU fans on the Fire Kalani train, these results started about 10 years ago. When everyone else in the country was investing a lot of money into their program, BYU needs way more money for additional support staff to recruit and improve facilities. Until that changes, they will consistently be mediocre. Sad but true. Some great wins will come, but sustained success is a thing of the past unless BYU changes the way they look at athletics. Jobs at BYU pay two to three times less than other mid-level Power 5 programs. As a high school athletic director with college football coaching experience, I would have to take a significant pay cut to work at BYU. That is pathetic. That is pathetic. If that's true, that is pathetic. I agree. And he uh, followed up saying, don't at me about Bronco. Don't tweet at me about Bronco. He's an incredible coach, and we were spoiled to have him here. Unless we change the foundation, this will be our new norm, no matter who the coach is. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know what Bronco has anything to do with it. He's going. The thing that I didn't like about the Bronco deal, I think we were both down there that night. He had that press conference. It was a Friday night. And... You were there, kind of sitting right next to you, right? Mm-hmm. We both went down, and Tom and Bronco were sitting at the table, had it in the football office, and you know it was obvious that Bronco was going to get a lot more money, and I asked Tom, was there any thought to matching it? Nope. I mean, just, just completely nope. Nope. Not happening. We're not going to pay. And Virginia's paying like a mid-range Power 5 team. 
I don't know if if it's mid range or if it's higher or what. I, I I don't know how that where that three point whatever million two point million where that plays on the scale. If it's middle, lower, uh, upper, I'm not sure. I have I don't know what the ACC coaches are making, but the fact is, I just I didn't like the just not that it's Tom's fault by any stretch, um, because Pro- he, he probably only, comes from above. Yeah, you only could do what he can do, but it was just a flat out no can't do that we're not going to do that it's not who we are okay well that's the results you're going to get the results you're going to get are what you pay for all right fine with me i don't care (laughs) but don't expect a whole lot more results than uh, what you're paying for doesn't work that way in the world does it not usually, because usually what ends up happening is you get inexperienced guys, and once in a while you catch lightning in a bottle. But experience is worth something in most fields, and I think it certainly is in coaching. And two, you know, they have the analysts and all these things that these people that these other departments have now running around doing stuff. Uh, you got to pay. I'm not sure the facilities are all that bad. The problem with the facility is the day you open it, it's outdated because somebody's got something newer. Newer and shinier. So, I mean, you can just go. But you don't need a new indoor facility with a higher roof. Yeah. I mean, you can already I mean, punt in there. So. Seems to me, and I could be mistaken, but it seems to me BYU's facilities are nice. I was just talking to somebody about that. Like, uh, BYU's basketball facility isn't as nice as Utah's, but it's nice enough. It's not as big. Didn't cost as much. But I've been in both, and they're both pretty sweet. So what BYU has there, just uh, what, east of the Marriott Center, to me, having been in there and having sat in Dave Rose's office and overlooking the court, now obviously it's Mark Pope's, uh, they've got what they need. You know, Utah's may be better, but whoop-de-doo. I mean, there is a, you can only have so many, the nicest of everything, they, they've got what they need. So I don't know that that's that big of a deal. Maybe it is. But the other stuff, sure. I, I think they need to find ways to be more conducive to winning. But I think there might be some tension there between academia, honor code on one side, football on the other. You know, what are you going to do? And just a bunch of dumb rules. I wish they would modernize the honor code. They're never going to have it go away. So it's pointless to say they should do away with the honor code. And you just talk to your blue in the face. But I always find it funny in a sense, not ha-ha, but all the seniors, when they come back for pro day, they all got beards. And great, faithful, remember the, the Kafusi brothers grew super long hair. I mean, in those guys, that whole family, I and mean, that's like the first family of BYU football. Well, we got Corbin, yeah. and they had the picture yesterday with him yeah. standing with the Jets. They both got beards and long hair. Yeah. And Taysom Hill had a beard. Taysom Hill. I don't know if he's descendant of Brigham Young, but he ought to be. I mean, he's everybody's hero for you know, all the injuries he endured and kept the faith, so to speak, literally and figuratively, and, and all of us. I mean, when he has those four-yard runs, I just come off my couch. They're the most exciting things I've ever seen. Knew you were building up to that. <laughs> it's just a matter of time. It's unbelievable. I, as soon as – if he catches a pass, I go right to Twitter because it's going to be, take that, Jerry Rice. Taysom ran for six <laughs> yards. 
Take that, Jerry Rice. Well, he could do that in his sleep. He could have done that even when he was hurt. He could have probably still ran by half the guys on the team on the defense when he had the feet injuries. (laughs) He was, he's just a, he's an incredible athlete. He's always been, yeah. But he had a beard. And they can't let him have him? No. There are rules, PK. Deal with it. I mean, I draw the line at earrings. That's no freaking way. But they got that gray area with the tats. And that just makes BYU fans, some of the old fogies, a little queasy, you know? I love Jamal, but man, he's got a lot of tats. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like they were better when they had a guy who was uh, capable of running for 100 yards on Monday Night Football and catching a touchdown pass. Crazy. And you hear them say, and I've spoken to the coaches, and they can't be quoted publicly on it for sure, but the degree of difficulty to get guys in. Because of the academics or because of the honor code stuff? Or uh, both? Yeah, I think it's more you know, academically speaking. Yeah. Uh, well, we've heard from people who aren't football coaches there. They're having the same issue. That's an across-the-board athletic department issue. There's a football player out there who is making plays, and I'll leave it at that, who they thought they had. The kid wanted to go there. The kid's mother wanted him to go there. Uh, but couldn't get him in. And he'd already had a college degree. And, you know, it was a sore subject. Should they, should they ease up all that stuff for the sake of winning? Do you lose your principles? So in a grad transfer situation? Already has a college degree? I'm just going to leave it at that. what I said. I I don't really understand how hard it is to get grad transfers in at some places. It seems like it's easier at some than others. It seems like if you've got a college degree, Mm -hmm. you're smart enough to be on a college campus and compete in college classrooms. And who really cares if you're pursuing an MBA, to be honest? If you can make tackles, you're only going to be there for one year. You know, you're not going to be there for one year. You're going to be there for a few months. Is it that bad? For the sake of winning, can you compromise? Because everybody else is. We're getting a lot of feedback here from people. (laughs) Brady Papinga has been talking about this very issue with BYU football for two years now. Get him on your show. I'm sure he'd love to talk about it. Brady's a talker. He probably would. I gotta do things, man. They're getting away with winning football games. We're getting a lot of feedback. <laughs> Joshua tweeting at us. We got a lot of this on Facebook. A conference, period. A coach with proven experience and a resume to match. Discipline, leaders, a culture of accountability. Probably some reform with the head coach and admission standards. There's a whole list of things. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to bring in Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst. Riley, good morning. Good morning. So uh, I ended our call last week by, you know, thanking PK for being the family therapist for Cougar Nation. I bet he's been working overtime this last week. <laughs> Nonstop, man. Putting in the extra hours. It's been a real grind. I know. I know I have, and I am not qualified nor willing to, to play that role, but... Uh, 
it's been a it's been an interesting week as as the Cougars sit at the half point of the season. Do you get more complaints or do you get people more people with suggestions about what needs to be done? Yes, yeah, suggestions, but even just searching for answers. I think you know BYU's been in independence long enough, and people have become aware enough of the dynamics around the program that that have set them up for the challenges that they're experiencing and and people are willing enough to acknowledge those and not think that they have the answers and it's kind of more just searching they're just searching for whatever answer or however we can you know fix this state of limbo or or you know some would say even purgatory that that the BYU football program finds themselves in and I kind of my kind of knee-jerk reaction is to take the same approach you ha- have to take as a player, which is you ha- the only way you turn this around is week by week, practice by practice, getting better and better, and then hopefully these close losses turn into close wins, and then as you pile up close wins, they turn into more convincing wins. But it's been a it's been a few years, you know, a few too many seasons for people. They're starting to maybe lose sight of uh, a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it seems like man, there's a dark cloud. And that dark cloud has been there since the day uh, that they announced Utah was going to the Pac-12. And there's been some good moments. But you take just this year, for example. There's been some good moments this year. But there's just some pull your head out, or your hair out, I mean, uh, just moments that just drive you nuts. And then they've had some injuries. It's like a slew of things that can't transpire against them have and then they walk away with a couple losses that are just so frustrating I'm just wondering how much of it is what's the attitude that's in the program do you wonder do the guys start to think oh no here we go again yeah that was uh, in my post game comments uh, we were as you can imagine, Kalani was trying to get out of there, and or post game, not comments, but my one post game question I had to Coach Sitaki is, you know, they were trying to get out of there and with for the long flight home, but it was how do you combat this becoming acceptable or guys giving into this? Because I've I've been on teams over the course of my entire football career, you know, from little league um, on up where. You experience some adversity. Those excuses give you a pretty easy justification to just kind of become apathetic to to your fate. And you still go out and you still practice, but you're, you're kind of going through the motions and it's emotionless. And then when you do experience tough losses like they do on Saturday, it it doesn't hurt. It doesn't sting. You're just kind of like you just kind of accept it. And that is an extremely dangerous place to be in as a football team for an individual season but also as a program and you you are right i that is there i mean that's there that's there for anybody is that complacency and that acceptance of mediocrity and it can set in quickly only after a couple of games it takes some really strong leadership from uh you know uh, up and down the stack from the administration to the coaches to of course you know the individual players in, in the uh, in the locker room, but also in the individual position groups. So it's something if if I were down there, I'd be extremely leery of and trying to, you know, fight against every day, every practice, every rep, because once that sets in, it's really hard to to turn it back around and get guys believing again. Riley Nelson joining us. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of things to discuss here, but when I look at Kalani's four years and I look at quarterback injuries – 
the wins follow them pretty precisely. In 2016, he played one quarterback all year, and they won nine games. The next year, they played four quarterbacks, and they won four. This year, they're playing three. It looks like they're on track for, I don't know how it'll shake out, five, six, seven wins, somewhere in there. And last year, they played a couple quarterbacks, and they were seven and six. Is it really as simple as that key position, that leader, keeping him healthy? Because it seems like the more quarterbacks they play, every time they play another quarterback, it costs them another win or two. No question. I definitely think that. I mean, and you mentioned in the Kalani era, and it was going on in the in the Bronco era before that for for a number of years. Um, you know, to, I probably started that trend as far as uh, getting injured, but uh, you know, Taysom obviously dealt with his his share. That's been well publicized, and that spilled or that straddled the Bronco and the Kalani era, and it's been a constant struggle for Kalani. But you know, I, I look at Zach Wilson's injury and it's really hard i look at zach's and i think all right how could that have been avoided well in the nfl when a guy that has a hundred that is a hundred million dollar asset doesn't go and chase down maybe chase down a guy on an interception everybody kind of gets it because money is what talks in the nfl but in college football if you have a quarterback who does not chase down uh, a defender and try and make a play after he throws an interception. That's that's a guy who is not probably not fit to lead your team and and will lose the confidence of his teammates. So, all right, Zach did what he was supposed to do. He chased down a guy after an interception. He made a tackle. The guy happened to land wrong on his thumb. So I I don't know what you do there. And then Jaron Hall got put in a tough situation in that he needed to be out there kind of exposing himself to to some hits in order for that offense to be successful because that was the only thing they had going for him and keeping for keeping him in the game were his legs. So, um, you know, and, and we can kind of go through the previous injuries. Tanner Mangum was probably a combination of uh, the O-line probably wasn't up to snuff, and he's a little bit less of a mobile guy, a little bit more of a sitting target for defenses. So it's a little bit different formula depending on who the player is out there. But uh, you're, I think you're right, DJ. If they can figure that out, that'll be the first thing. Now, that won't so- solve all their problems. They're still bottom 10 in rush defense. And, I mean, you look at that the second half of that South Florida game, it wasn't even a thought in the second half for South Florida to come out and throw the football. And when when teams can get one-dimensional, it's so funny because most defenses are like, ah, oh, we'll force them to be one-dimensional, and, and like that's a good thing. Well, offenses against this BYU defense have been able to be one-dimensional and be successful, and and that uh, you know is, is a serious issue. So, But shoring up the quarterback injuries, getting more consistency out of that position, and, and when I say consistency, I mean health, right? Keeping that position more healthy is one minor step, but the the issues that are that have produced this two and four record thus far the season extend beyond that. And in these two losses, I think they've been outscored twenty seven to zero in the fourth quarter. So you've got some defensive issues, but the offense has moved the ball and has an opportunity to get down there and then can't punch it in. So, you know, we can complain about all these other different things, but they were in position right there to get the job done, and they're not. What needs to happen to be able to get that job done and not have these disastrous fourth quarters? I would try and find a psychologist. My knee-jerk reaction would be to tattoo the word finish on everybody's forehead. 
because you just mentioned two aspects of finishing that are not getting done. They're not finishing football games because they're not performing in the in the fourth quarter. And you break it down even further to that, they're having trouble finishing drives. Really on both sides of the ball, you mentioned – the, the struggles in the red zone or the scoring zone when they get you know inside the 30 and that's kind of field goal range for them so the the 20 is bad inside the 30 is bad as well and, but on the other side of the ball teams have been able to once they get in there have been able to punch it in at a very successful clip so however you whatever mind tricks you got to do or to get that concept of of finishing um, finishing drives, finishing quarters, finishing halves, and finishing football games. That is priority number one. And, and you know, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to do because that's something that takes, uh, you know, we talked about uh, – Losing can become a habit. Well, winning can become a habit, and finishing can become a habit. When you are not comfortable with how to finish games in the fourth quarter, there's on teams that have, like you said, the last two games, twenty-seven to zero or twenty-seven to nothing, scoring in the fourth quarter. You go into this next game against Boise, and let's say it's close in the the fourth quarter. The psychology is, unless you do things to prevent it, the psychology is pretty much everybody's waiting around at the first sign of trouble. And when the first sign of trouble sets in, maybe it's a three and out, maybe it's a turnover, maybe it's giving up a big play. It's the entire, even though no one will admit it, admit it overtly or admit it consciously, the subconscious thought is, oh, here we go again. So they've got a lot of work to do on the field. They've got a lot of work to do, I think, between the ears there but but the nice thing is they've got six more opportunities to do that and turn it around i am not a doomsdayer i do think you know they still have uh, um it's going to be tough these first couple of games obviously with boise and and uh utah state and then obviously san diego state looming that's kind of the creme de la creme of the mountain west but those are teams that byu i think has the talent in spite of injuries to at least compete with and if they can get over some of these I call them, you know, mental toughness issues, uh, then I think they can have a little bit more success than they did in the first half. So I'm curious what you think, and I, I think we know where you're going with this. Boise State's got two running backs who are averaging five yards a carry or more. Are the Broncos just going to come in, and it looks like they got a quarterback injury of their own, and just study diet of the run game right from the get-go until BYU figures it out? Most definitely, you know, I uh, I couldn't. St- we were on the East Coast, and the Boise game was a ten thirty start over there, and I had an early flight, so I didn't stay up to watch most of it. But when I got up the next morning and I was checking through, I saw Bachmeyer got hurt. My first thought was like, okay, well, you never want to see a player hurt, but this opens up an opportunity for B- for BYU. And then you kind of look down and you see the two running backs and. You're, you think, oh man, it's you know it's not going to put much pressure on the backup quarterback. Boise's going to come in with a steady diet of the run, and then you look, and the backup quarterback came in, finished the game, completing eighty percent of his passes, and he threw for three touchdowns. And so there might not be that much of a drop off from number one to number two there at the quarterback position. But yeah, I mean, similar to South Florida, Boise's in a position where they may have an unproven backup quarterback, but he was a guy who produced probably has a better skill set than the team from South Florida. But both Toledo and South Florida completely scrapped any attempt at a passing game in the second halves of both of those football games and was able to come from behind and win them both. So I don't imagine Boise's going to try and do anything cute or anything different. 
they're going to come in, start the game off, hitting, it, hitting them in the mouth and running it down their throat, and they're going to, I think, try and continue to do that for all four quarters. If I'm, if I'm BYU and I'm on that team and I'm on that defense, you know that's happening, so what are you going to do to prevent it? What are you going to do to change the narrative around you? What are you going to do to salvage your pride, salvage your you know, standing as a football player and not allow Boise to do that and force them to do something different. Because if you allow them to do the same, it's going to get ugly and get ugly quickly. Do you think that the administration and even beyond that to the folks who run the school in Salt Lake need to make a greater commitment, whatever that entails, to BYU winning football games? Uh I do, but uh, similar. Uh, I'm going to do another disclaimer. My disclaimer last week was I'm not in the I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know everything that's going on between the players and coaches. Similar disclaimer here. I don't know all the dynamics in play. I mean, I hear things like like all of us do about how the relationship between the church and the university works, and the relationship between the university and the athletic department work, and all those things. But it's all hearsay. Um, it, it's uh, I think everybody's pretty tight-lipped. It's a private university. They don't they don't disclose much. They don't have to disclose much. But the short answer to your question is is yes. As you look around the landscape of college football, if they want to be successful at the level that they've been successful in the past, it's going to require greater commitment because it is a it is an utter arms race. And BYU is is fall, in the state of college football from everything from what you're from coaching staffs and what you're paying them from the resources that you allocate to recruiting to the facilities that you use to uh, attract and retain those recruits once that once they're on to ancillary services like nutritionists and and special you know weight training and speed coaches and BYU ha- has all those things but they kind of have the minimum acceptable standard of all those things and the teams that are having successful or that are having success are going uh, above and beyond and so I, there does need to be a, a greater commitment now actually um, putting that forth uh, I, d- I don't know what that entails and I also don't know what the likelihood uh, of it is Riley Nelson joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone so at the end of the day if we end this up where you started uh, what, is the, what do you tell all these people when you're providing the therapy sessions if you boil it down into a nutshell, how do you summarize it? Yeah, that first of all, not all is lost for this season. I mean, you can acknowledge. First of all, I think you do have to acknowledge and be honest about what's happened, and that's that from the guys that were slated as starters uh, coming through fall camp, the, the brutal, honest uh, question of it is that we're missing six or seven of those guys, including you know key positions like quarterback and running back. So uh, there's that, but you can't expect it. You can't um, use that as an excuse. The team, I tell the team's still being competitive. If they can get out of their own way in a couple aspects of the game, these are close games. It's not like they're getting dominated week after week. And so there's still hope for them to turn it around. And then my, my thing is just you gotta you gotta compartmentalize, right? Take it game by game, or just like get to the end of the season and don't, and, and then see what happens. Because none of us as fans and followers are in control of what happens. Who, you know, who keeps their who keeps their job at any level? When I say that, I mean from, you know, from the nose tackles, linebackers, running backs, wide receivers, uh, and all the way up the stack within the program and the administration. You, you, 
as much as it, I, I guess it's fun and we all need something to talk about on Twitter and, spe- and speculate <laughs> about, but I, I'm a guy that that's kind of some wasted energy because circumstances can change so much from week to week. I mean, look at this team two weeks ago. Everybody's feeling really good about themselves. Actually, three because there was a buy in there, but um, you know, hey, we're two and two. Everybody thought we were going to go like one and three or zero oh and four. So I'm feeling pretty good. And now here we are. That man, BYU should get rid of the program because we're never going to be competitive again. And just try and avoid hysteria and take it week to week. And then ultimately, the fans that get really disheartened, I say, well, why are you a fan? Are you a fair weather fan who only likes them if they're going to be? you know, win in every year and, and gain a national notoriety? Or can you be a fan who sticks with it because you're invested in the university, invested in the players, and are going to support them come rain or shine? So that's kind of my little that, – that, and look, I don't charge much for that. <laughs> my, 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 my rate's only like 100, 125 an hour, depending. And, uh, it, you know, if so take that for what it's worth. Well, as we end this interview, Riley, in recognition of the Democratic debates, what do you think of George Bush's relationship with Ellen? <laughs> I, I think it's a great thing. I, I, I don't know. I was way more, as a Packers fan, I was way more interested and invested on what was going on between the sidelines than, <laughs> than all that hullabaloo. So I was glad Aaron Jones was able to, to get that. And I, by the way, for those who watch the Monday Night Football game, I think the NFL's out there just handing the Packers wins. You can't have your hands up and around. So first of all, it was great to see Aaron Jones and the run game and all that get going against the Cowboys and then close win against Lions, which I think was deserved. Others would say it was handed to him. You can't have your hands up around the face or neck of a player. And I know he was grabbing his shoulder pads, but his hand was in against his neck. And any t- that's playing with fires. So it was good to see Aaron and the boys. Jamal came back from injury, had a nice breakout. And uh, so the Packers were back on track. And if George and Ellen want to be up in the booth at laughing, eating popcorn, watching the Packers take it to the Cowboys at home, I'm all for it. <laughs> Me too. As long as the Packers take it to the Cowboys. <laughs> all right, Riley, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Riley Nelson, every week right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. See, the great thing about Riley Nelson is asking him, you know, does the administration need to do more? And whatever more is, it's kind of out there in that gray area. But here's a guy who, you know, you bring on Brady Papinga and he pops off. (laughs) You know, what do you think of the weather today? And he's popping off. And I think you, and I love Brady and I've loved him from the time I've covered him and he can tell you that. But I think he loses a little bit of credibility with the popping off the just his style there's too much stuff that's uh, over the top yeah but you look at riley nelson and you listen to him and he presents it almost as if he's in a court of law and it's just a, a factual presentation and so you listen to some of that stuff and if y'all can cut up and find ways to get some of the crux of it it's real they need to do some stuff they need to make it easier for this football team to win that's the bottom line DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, in 15 minutes. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network.
We're taking the show on the road. Join DJ and PK Friday, Murdoch Hyundai in Murray, 4646 South State Street. Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot of Utah football then. Frank Dolce is going to be there at 8 o'clock. He'll be with us from uh, 8 to 10 on Friday, obviously. Gearing you be... up for the big weekend. Sure, yeah. and it's, it's, I, I think people are overstating the weekend or the game. But it is a big game. It's not the deciding game, but it's a big game. But in that regard, it's really no bigger than Cal or Washington or blah, blah, blah. You haven't won anything if you win it. You haven't lost anything if you lose it. Makes it easier if you win, more difficult if you lose. I understand that. But it's too early to call it the game of the season. But it's still two ranked teams, and it's, it's a big, a big game. game. Oh, there's no question. It's a big game. Yeah, I'm not denying the quality, the impact of the game. Absolutely. Maybe a little more juice just because the Utes have struggled with them, too. So that puts maybe a sure. little doubt in your mind, except you're thinking, yeah, but this year will be different because this team's better. Don't outthink it. It's not those teams playing. In my mind, this team is better than I thought they were in the summer. And I thought they were going to be pretty good. Right. But I think but you like better. what you've seen. I love what I've seen. Because now you'll talk yeah. about 11-1, and one and then you thought mm-hmm. that was a little too much. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Now it looks like the baseline's 10-2. and two. Absolute, absolute worst case, 9-3. and three. And that's a bad case. Yeah. But I think most realistic, I'd probably go uh, maybe split 50-50, 7-2, 8-1. And if they just roll the Devils, then I'm probably going to go more in the 60-40, 8-1. Remains to be seen. I mean, Vegas obviously expects them to roll. Double-digit favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big number. Right. 12.5 going to 13.5. Yeah, that really is. Against another ranked team. That's, know, if they were playing Oregon State, we wouldn't bat an eyelash. We didn't. It or, was 14.5. you know, UC Los Angeles, probably Arizona, Colorado. We wouldn't think that would be uh, that's not. But that ASU's five and one on right. their own right with the one loss, a three pointer to Colorado, and with the history under this coaching staff of all sorts of close games. I mean, that's the modem for them. What is that? The modus operandi, whatever that. Yes, the mo. Spanish phrase is. It's not Spanish. Oh, dang it! Okay, I wouldn't bother to learn it because I'm trying to learn Spanish. Very slow process. But every game for these guys, win or lose, is literally coming right down to the end. Is the offense? It's funny how for the Devils is the offense. They seem to always get the ball with the game on the line. It seems Not, they don't need to stop. They need to score. It's funny <laughs> how that is. It seems that uh, you know it's easy to try and break the the league into tiers and look at comparative scores. But the Pac-12 has been so unpredictable. I'd stay away from that. But that's the kind of logic that I think has Utah going in as this big favorite, essentially two touchdown favorite, because. ASU lost to Colorado, and this, you know, it's supposed to be Utah, Oregon, Washington on the top tier. And if you lose to Colorado, Colorado is not on the top tier. Colorado oh, no, got blitzed at Oregon. And so ASU is good, but they're really on that top tier. And I think people buying into that is how we got to this big point spread. Because Vegas isn't automatically trying to predict the final spread. They're trying to split the betters in half. Probably so there's great. this perception that Utah is going to blow ASU off the field. Now, how much of the people sp- – and, and not everybody counts the same. You know, the, the better who gambles 1000 bucks is 10 times more important to Vegas than the person who gambles 100 bucks. So 
some of this money flowing in, regardless of how many people, you know, that drove the point spread higher, do they know what you said? That Herm Edwards has been in the league for a year and a half, and he intentionally coaches every game up, keep it close, win it at the end. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a whole. That's an NFL mentality right there. Oh, for sure. It's not you know the the schools that are spreading it out and throwing it around. Probably Oklahoma, Urban's Florida team. You know those teams. That's not how college football works in a lot of cases. Right. But in the pros, play the percentages, yeah. keep it close, make big plays in the fourth. And court. you know who his right hand man is. On the staff is Marvin Lewis. Yes, the former Bengals coach. Yeah. Yeah. Brought him in as an advisor. Well. But brought him in as like. Key advisor. (laughs) Key advisor, right. Yeah. He's not an on-the-field coach, but he's he's on the sidelines. And he can talk to Herm and do whatever he wants. And obviously he can be in all the meetings and stuff during the week. He's not out there coaching literally. But those two guys have their NFL dudes. So this is their philosophy. But if Utah covers... Yeah, I'm up in the 8-1. and one. And to tie that together with what we were talking about with Riley in the last segment about BYU, is that an area where BYU, without addressing all the other issues, they get more complicated, involve more people, can they bring in more analysts and advisors? Because it seems like that helps a lot with game prep, and that helps a lot with recruiting. And that would solve some of the problems. And I get there's still going to be discussions about conference affiliation. People are still going to talk about academics, and they're still going to talk. But is that something they can do in the short run while this other stuff that involves more people across campus and up the food chain to you know people above Tom, is that something they can do in the short run that would make a positive impact? Yes, absolutely. There's no question about that. I think BYU needs to step up and do everything within reason, and that reason maybe is a little bit of larger range for the Cougars, but they need to do more within reason to allow this football team to win, and I don't think that they're doing that right now. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Riley Jensen's coming up next.